I 100% agree with Matthew Hutton's column in New Zealand Herald this morning. Today's under 30s, he writes, will probably end up paying for their own COVID recovery with higher taxes throughout their lives. And it is something I've thought ever since this pandemic began, as Matthew, Matthew puts it far more succinctly, um, as Matthew writes, Grant Robertson's $60 billion spend up and Adrian Orr's money printing have made New Zealand asset holders nearly $1 trillion better off while the poor have fallen further into debt. 20-something Kiwis considering returning home report London property prices are below Auckland's, while salaries are three times as high. They also know that under-30s are doomed to have to pay back most of Robertson's $60 billion debt. Political commentator Matthew Hooton joins me now. Very good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Good. Well, you picked everything, didn't you? The inflation and the you know exactly what has has happened. I hope you've got a good tip for the Melbourne Cup this year. <laughs> Actually, I do have to make a correction to the column. Um, yes. I um, refer to Grant Robertson having borrowed sixty billion dollars for COVID. Uh, his office tells me that figure is wrong. The correct figure is sixty-two billion. Okay, so just well. a little bit more. So we wouldn't want to mislead people over that extra $2 billion that the under-30s are going to have to pay back sometime. But it's true, though, wasn't it? I mean, when you look at the response, it was keeping, you know, older New Zealanders safe. In the first instance, that was the, the first wave of the pandemic. Somebody is going to have to pay for that. Yeah, absolutely. And look, um, you know, we did what we did. Um, if anything, we probably moved too slow. I think that a case could have been made right at the point. I did make the case at the time that we should have shut our borders and moved into lockdown quicker yeah. than we did back in March 2020. But anyway, it's all it's all in the past now, and, and yes. broadly, the right decisions were made by the Prime Minister. But it has cost that $62 billion. And I think more importantly than that, because, you know, 10 years of a good economy will pay that back. Um, you know, still higher yeah. taxes, but we can pay that back is the principles in early childhood um, workers have spoken to in the last week that just say that these you know these kids have lost two years of development. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're four and you're going to kindergarten and your language skills like a two-year-old, that's going to hold you back your whole life. And, you know, we've got um, year, what is it, nine students starting secondary school, their whole intermediate school years, they didn't really have, and principals I've spoken to, and these are quite privileged schools, are saying, look, the, the kids are great kids, no one's criticising them, but they're just not as socially or academically developed as yeah. kids that were, you know, year nine, two years ago. So there's huge costs associated with COVID, and I warned, as you said, the very first week of the first lockdown, I warned about these costs. They're obvious that they were going to come. Um, COVID is now largely behind us in terms of lockdowns, so we have to work out how we're going to pay the bill, and it has to be fair. And how to make it up to those kids who have missed out on so much? Well, yeah, I mean, there's going to need to be investment in the schools. Um, New Zealand has an excellent reading recovery program. It's world famous, so presumably we can um, expand that quite quickly. Um, You know, secondary schools, I think we are going to need more counsellors and people like that throughout the system. We're going to need more mental health workers. Universities have got students who have spent their last two years at secondary school without those rites of passage to prepare for university. So there's going to have to be a huge investment in them and we have to hire people from overseas. 
and we're going to have to pay them international rates to make sure we do support these, you know, these New Zealanders uh, under the age of 20 whose education is so far behind, you know, what it was a few years ago. When you think, though, too, of, you know, it was hard enough for parents who were trying to do their best for their kids who had the space, who had the internet connection to keep up with the schooling. They knew it wasn't as good as what the kids were getting at school. What about those mm. poor, that cohort of kids who, for whom school was a sanctuary that was the only place they felt safe? Where the hell have they been for the last two years? Well, yeah, there's been reports from South Auckland schools, primary, intermediate and secondary, that students just disappeared, basically. Mm. Mm. Now, you know, I'm an Aucklander, but I have, you know, had a lucky, privileged life. Uh, but the, the one thing I know about South Auckland that none of the Wellington bureaucrats know is that I don't know anything about it. And that puts me one step ahead of Ashley Bloomfield and the Ministry of Education and Jacinda Ardern and all that lot, um, because I know I don't know. And there's going to have to be something done, and it's going to have to be done by local people who really know that community, um, because the, the implications are horrifying long term. Jacinda Ardern will be off to the UN by, you know, whenever or wherever she wants to go after this. Probably Christopher Luxon will have done his three, six or nine years as Prime Minister and he'll be off before we really, you know, get the impact of um, how bad this has been for under-20s. And we knew it. We made the decision to keep the lives of baby boomers or at least extend their lives a little bit. And this was most dangerous for people over 80. People did want to save their grandparents. Fair enough. They got an extra year, an extra two years of life, some of them, uh, as a result of the measures we took. But there has been a cost, and we have to talk about it honestly. So how do we pay pay it forward? How do the older generation recompense the younger generations? Look, I'm not talking about some user-pays model. <laughs> we no. saved your life, so you've got to pay for us. <laughs> um, but, you know, your wills must like... hand over money to South Auckland schools. <laughs> no, I mean, it, look, it's going to be much more subtle than a... A boot tax, which you know is a good way of introducing the idea, but you know there has to be some way of saying, look, you know, you're, you're, you've been saved through this. You're one of the few thousand people, probably, who have had your life extended a bit longer. Uh, and but you know your mortality is sooner than it is for young people, and you probably aren't even paying taxes now, and yet they're going. Not only have they suffered with the educational impacts and the social impacts and all those impacts, they now have to pay back the 60, I mean, sorry, the 62 billion that Grant Robertson has has borrowed. And maybe those of them who are wealthy could agree not to have used the super gold card. Maybe... uh... That sort of, yeah, that sort of thing. I hear you. Matthew, thank you so much.